Hello, and welcome to episode six of Spooky Girls, the podcast where we explore all sorts of real-life paranormal and creepy occurrences, from ghost sightings and hauntings, to reported alien and cryptid encounters, myths, folklore, legends, and more. Every week we'll cover a different true spooky story. We're your hosts, I'm Katrina. And I'm Jasmine. Yay! Good evening, Katty. Good evening, Good morning. everybody. Good, good afternoon. morning, yes. Good afternoon. Good morning for you. It's, well, well, it's, I, I, it's, I don't it's know. nearly 8pm here. Yeah. But, uh, no, for you it's evening now, isn't it? For me, it, it is, is nearly 1pm. Wow. Yeah, um, it's a bit later. And I have only just had a shower and got undressed. <laughs> so. I'm very jealous. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a lazy cow. <gasps> no, that is the best life, honestly. Mm. I, think, I think it should be illegal to have to have, you know, proper foot, like thing oh my god I, I nearly said to have proper thinks oh my god <laughs> proper things. i really i, I love you. you've had as a long you can day tell, i've had i've had a day mm. i've had a big day i feel like every single week i'm like oh i've had a big day cat yeah. well tell us about oh. your day my day was pretty standard i guess for me waking up at five no it was four i woke up at four today uh. um was at the office for five finished at two then went to meet some friends after work and then I rushed back here so, so that I could hear some lovely creepy stories. Yeah. Oh, God, it's, it's not popularity, it's more just people trying to get in as much socialization as they can these days before. Yeah. Because, I mean, I guess with everything being so uncertain here, like virus numbers are quite low in Hong Kong, but I mean, anything can happen. Yeah, um, that's true. So, yes, that's pretty much my day. How about mm. you? Well, Do you have anything else in, in, in store for the day? I um, was woken up by Ali, my sister, shouting. <laughs> um, so we oh, were very panicked and we ran downstairs and the electrical socket for the TV had started smoking. So it's such oh, a good shit. job that she was working in the lounge. And so she oh, smelled shit. it. And then she looked was the over TV and she on? said... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Good. And so, she really, really quickly pl- pulled out the plug, but it, it had <gasps> melted all over the socket and like oh, was super, no. super close to being an electrical fire. So, oh, um, yeah. So she's had more of a stressful day than I have because I was just there that's, to. That's so to scary. I know it is Holy really scary. Shit. At least she was there. That's good. Do I know. I'm any... so lucky that she was working from home and she'd. How old is that TV? I don't think it's the TV. I think it's it's um, like the extension that it was plugged into. Oh. So luckily, yes. like the TV's still okay. <laughs> <sighs> oh, praise the Lord. I know. <sighs> Pardon me. Yeah. But, oh God, oh. that's horrifying. Yeah. Christ, I'm I'm always so paranoid of like freak fires like that yeah like the other day so um my my laptop charger has a terrible habit of overheating Mm. and um one day I, i went i went to work and i think i left my laptop plugged in but because the, the charger had been overheating recently, I spent the whole day just paranoid that I'd come home to like a room of ash. Yeah. I was convinced that I would have burnt down my house and I was researching like MacBook Air combustion um, question mark, of course, uh, <laughs> and Google every yeah. every. Well, I have a Samsung, problem. so I was really worried about that with my phone. Okay, yes, yes. Yeah. Android vs Apple 
the war rages on. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even fighting Apple's corner these days. I'm just too lazy to reconfigure all my shit. So this week's episode is actually sponsored by Podcorn. I know we have quite a few listeners and followers on Instagram who are podcasters themselves, and I've actually recommended Podcorn to a couple of them before we got this sponsorship. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there's no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities, which is just how I applied for and got this sponsorship. You only have to submit a short proposal of why you want to work with a brand, and then sit back and wait. The fact that you can get a flat rate for an ad, rather than having to work on commission or anything like that, is amazing. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn will support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. Podcorn provides podcasters with complete transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when they apply for sponsorships. So if you're interested and think that Podcorn could be just what you've been looking for, click the link in this episode's description to sign up and start browsing their awesome sponsorship opportunities. Thank you, Podcorn. Thank you, Podcorn. (laughs) Yay. Okay, so before we get into this week's episode, I just want to make a disclaimer that this episode deals with issues surrounding mental health, and in the legend itself, um, mental health isn't dealt with in a in a very sensitive way um and that includes some words that i may be quoting in this episode so i just wanted to say that um we don't mean to upset anyone and by no means do we actually believe that mental illness causes someone to become violent and we know that in reality it's the exact opposite with people with mental illnesses actually being more likely to be the victims of violence rather than the perpetrators so just wanted to get that out of the way with yay Yay. Very good disclaimer. (laughs) Thank you. So this week's story is about Cropsy. So my sources for this, um, this mostly comes from a 2009 documentary by Joshua Zeman and Barbara Brancaccio, um, which is called Cropsy. Uh, cropsylegend.com, allthat'sinteresting.com, mentalfloss.com, and thelineup.com. So, for children growing up on Staten Island during the late 70s and 80s, the urban legend of Cropsy was a well-known story, whispered about around campfires and bunk beds of sleepaway camps, told by siblings to scare their annoying brothers or sisters, and joked about by teenagers hanging about in the woods and derelict buildings that Cropsy was said to haunt. Cropsy became a bogeyman, ingrained in the collective consciousness of a generation. To these kids, Cropsy was an escaped, bloodthirsty mental patient, or a vengeful man who had been horribly disfigured in a camp prank gone wrong, who lived in the basement and tunnels under the old abandoned Seaview Hospital and Willowbrook Mental Institution. He would come out late at night to hunt and kill any kids who came across his path, dragging them back to his tunnel system, never to be seen again. Depending on whom you ask, Cropsy had a hook for a hand, 
or wielded a bloody axe or another weapon. But no matter the variations in the legend, Cropsy was out there. Wait a second, so I'm already seeing a bunch of similarities to like four different sorts of so-called bogeymen. Yeah. You know, like Axeman, Hookman, you know, it's got yeah, a bit of like Slenderman thrown in much, there. It's very much like the yeah. the peak typical urban legend. Yeah, it's like, like an amalgamation of everything yeah. that you've ever heard of. Yeah. It's no surprise that such a creepy tale developed on Staten Island the so-called Forgotten Borough of New York. The area was isolated and made up of mostly farmland until a bridge was opened to link it to Brooklyn in 1964. Even to this day, Staten Island is the least populated of the five New York boroughs, but is the third largest by land area, making it still pretty rural and quiet. In the middle of the island is a section of ancient forest called the Green Belt, Bordering on this forest is the abandoned Seaview Hospital, which consists of a massive complex of buildings, including the main hospital that housed tuberculosis wards, another building for contagious diseases, a morgue, and on-site cemetery. This sounds this this sounds like literally the dream place for any one of those sort of like TV spiritualist yeah, really sort does. of paranormal yeah. people. Oh God got everything you've got your cemetery hospital (laughs) yikes i want to go there to add to this um close by the hospital is the willowbrook state school a 365 acre residential institution for those with severe intellectual disabilities and mental illnesses willowbrook became infamous following a 1972 film expose which brought the horrendous conditions of the institution to public knowledge, where there was as little as one attendant for every 50 children. Yikes. The film showed many children naked and covered in their own filth, wailing and rocking backwards and forwards on the cold, hard concrete floor. The school was incredibly overcrowded, having a population of 6,000 children by 1965, despite only being designed for 4,000 people, leading to unsanitary conditions. There were also reports that children were subjected to rampant sexual abuse, corporal punishment, and unethical medical experiments, including children being intentionally injected with the hepatitis virus, making many of them severely ill as a result. Oh my god, this just gets worse and worse the more you speak. Mm, I I didn't think you you could get worse than, like, crying on the floor in your own Mm. filth, and I was going to make a joke, but now I don't want to make a joke. Yes, please don't. Despite these horrific abuses and conditions, the school remained open for another 15 years. And when it was finally closed, although some patients were sent to other residential institutions and group homes, some were left to fend for themselves. This was incorporated into the Cropsey legend, with many versions of the story making Cropsey one of these forsaken patients, returning to Willowbrook out of confusion and habit, living in the uninhabited buildings and the tunnel system that lies beneath them. Oh, God. God, genuine chill. At its core, the Cropsey legend is a classic cautionary tale, a warning about strangers, the potential crazed maniac who lurks in the darkness, just waiting for an opportunity to get you. Much like all the other urban legends of this type, Cropsey was scary and undoubtedly terrified younger children. However, 
No older kids or teenagers really believed it or took it seriously. That was, until children actually began to go missing. Cropsy was real, and his name was Andre Rand. <gasps> Plot twist. <laughs> Holy shit, mm. Andre. I never do trust anyone called Andre. No. There was a creepy man called Andre in my old school. Oh, uh, was there? Yes. Uh. I've never met a normal Andre in my whole life. Please go on. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Andrew, but fuck you, bro. Anyway, carry on. On the 9th of July, 1987, 12-year-old Jennifer Schweiger disappeared. Jennifer, who had Down syndrome, was last seen by two witnesses who saw her walking down the street with a middle-aged man. The description of the man, as well as the distinctive women's green bike with basket on the front that he had with him, led police to Andre Rand, whom they were already familiar with. 43-year-old Rand, who had worked as a custodian at the Willowbrook State School for some time, was now homeless, living in numerous makeshift campsites in the woods surrounding Willowbrook and Seaview Hospital. He had been known to police since 1969, when he served 16 months in prison for sexual misconduct towards a nine-year-old girl, and was again imprisoned in 1983, following the kidnapping of a bus full of children from the local YMCA, though luckily none of them were harmed. Rand was immediately brought in for questioning over the girl's disappearance. However, he was released due to lack of evidence. Although, as the prime suspect, he was placed under police surveillance, and they hoped that he would lead them to the still-alive Jennifer. Quickly, rumours spread that Jennifer was being kept in the tunnels underneath Willowbrook, and was maybe being moved by an accomplice of Rand's, leading search parties to focus on that specific area, even after police told them to stop. Sadly, after 35 days of searching, Jennifer's body was found in a shallow grave near Willowbrook, only 150 yards from Rand's campsite. Rand was arrested, and thus began the largest criminal trial in Staten Island history. Rand was found guilty of the kidnapping of Jennifer, but the charge of murder was dismissed due to jury deadlock, resulting in a sentence of 25 years to life. Once Rand was arrested, the police began connecting him to older missing children cases, and at one point he was a suspect in over 30 cases. There were four missing persons cases in particular, spanning over 15 years, which were strongly linked to Rand, and none of whom have ever been found. These are five-year-old Alicia Pereira, who went missing in 1972, seven-year-old Holly Ann Hughes, who went missing in 1981, 10-year-old Tahise Jackson, who had a variety of medical conditions and learning disabilities, who went missing in 1983, and 22-year-old Henry Gaforio, who also had learning disabilities and went missing in 1984. Fuck. <laughs> oh. Wait, so wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. So, the legend was a ra- was about him, or or was this just happening at the same time as those stories were going it, around? Yeah, no one really knows when the legend started. Okay, but so they just kind of seem to be but coincidentally. He, yeah, he very much fits with it, having worked at Willowbrook mm. and being like lurking in the woods, yeah. and and oh, the buildings well, around great. it. Um, what a creep. <clears throat> oh, disgusting. Okay. 
Oh, Ken, please carry on. Many of the other 26 missing person cases follow a very similar MO, with the victims being young or slightly older children or young adults with learning disabilities. Basically, some of the most vulnerable people possible. This makes it more than likely that Rand was involved in their disappearances too. Rand had actually been interviewed in 1981 after being sighted on Holly Ann Hughes' street the day she'd gone missing, but had been released due to lack of evidence. However, with Rand already behind bars for the kidnapping of Jennifer Schweiger, the DA believed that he finally had enough evidence to indict him and get a conviction for the kidnapping of Holly Ann. So, over 20 years after her initial disappearance, Rand was found guilty of Holly Ann's kidnapping in 2004 and was sentenced to an additional 25 years to life, on top of the one he was already serving. Andre Rand won't be eligible for parole until 2037. Provided he lives that long, he will be 93 years old. Cropsey, the bogeyman of Staten Island, who haunted the nightmares of many children growing up, will most likely die behind bars. However, there are many people who argue that Rand is not actually guilty and was merely a scapegoat to make the public feel like their children were just that bit safer with someone behind bars for the crime. After all, Rand was convicted despite there being no physical evidence, only circumstantial evidence, which mostly consisted of notoriously unreliable eyewitness testimonies. Once Rand had been arrested, many assumed him to be guilty, at least partially stemming from media influence and their own prejudice against him as a homeless man, who was seemingly mentally ill. Indeed, in photographs showing Rand in handcuffs being led away by the police, he looks, quote-unquote, crazy. He's drooling, his eyes are glazed over, and he seems almost comatose at times in the back of the police car. He was the perfect monster to the media, and the public, an outsider on the fringes of society, not one of their own. No matter whether you believe that Andre Rand was the one responsible for all these disappearances, or that someone else is to blame, one thing is clear. The person who abducted these children and vulnerable adults, and murdered Jennifer Schweiger, probably wasn't a crazy axe-wielded maniac with a hook for a hand, or a vengeful individual who'd been horribly disfigured in a camp prank gone wrong. Instead, he was just a man, an all-too-real monster lurking among everyday society, far more terrifying than crops he could ever be. Oh, see, that's well done. That was a big one. That Thank was, you. Sorry, that was... Yeah. I'm just trying just to absorb all of that. I know, there weren't, there weren't many opportunities for you to make jokes. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, that's a good thing because, yeah. I mean, I was... Um, what was it? Someone today was talking to me about, like, serial killers and, mm. like, the how how prevalent they were in the 70s and how that was like the the rise yeah. you know, of those like Ted Bundy and Ed Kemper and this guy but I've I've never actually heard of cuz I think I told you that I remembered the word cropsy but I wasn't mm-hmm. sure where I'd heard it before yeah um, oh, oh yeah I'd never heard of this until I watched the documentary but when I watched the documentary mm-hmm. I was like Jesus <laughs> yeah cuz I don't really want to do uh, like just murder cases i mm. i always want to do like paranormal stuff or legends or just yeah. like 
creepy stuff, but then... Unexplained. Yeah, but then some of them have ties to things that actually really happened. Mm. And so I don't want every case to be like this, but yeah, this case was really, really scary. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess it all kind of piggybacks off that idea of like... Um, again, like the darkest parts of our psyche, not being rooted in any kind of figmental horror that we might make up, but like living amongst us at all mm. times and how all of these legends, these urban legends that we love and, you know, all these horror films that we love to watch and that we used to scare ourselves, they're really, they really do use themes that we find in everyday life. Yeah. Well, people. I think the makers of this documentary also made one called killer legends i think cool yes i love i love all this i love looking at like the mythology and the methodology of how how different kinds of legends came to because i always wondered about things like slender man and those sorts of viral urban legends where you don't really know where they came from but suddenly you're just saturated in knowledge about slender man was a creepypasta yes but but like i still wonder like what was maybe it was a a story like this which influenced the creation of yeah. that you know and how yeah. all of these different legends are kind of homogenized in some way and we borrow elements of, of all of them to make a different one yeah know? so um cool. yeah joshua zeman who created the cropsy documentary he also did um a documentary called killer legends and that is investigating the real life origins of uh, quite a few urban legends and much mm-hmm. like with Cropsy, a lot of them have their origins in like actual murders or actual, like, I think more or less all of them did. Yes. Damn. Mm. That was a, that so, was a, a meaty episode. Yeah, that was today's. Very nice and I'm juicy. so sorry you didn't, you didn't have a, a chance to talk, <laughs> really. No, no, no. I mean, I, you know what? It's probably for the best um, mm. with the state that my brain is in today. Uh-uh. I probably would have just ended up... Again, most of my jokes popping up were, like, tasteful, and I was like, no. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Oh, like, that's No, sorry. Not tasteful. Tasteless. Yes. There was very little taste Distasteful. in the jokes. That's my... Yes. yes. That is... Oh, my God. I swear. Oh, I need you just, need a nap. Well, you know you, you need, need to go to uh, bed. Yeah. yeah. Soon. Yeah. After after we record the Patreon episode. Yes, which is still just for Lexi because we only have one Patreon supporter. <laughs> Love you, Lexi. Love you, Lexi. <laughs> so yeah, if, if anyone else wants to join Lexi, uh, you can uh, subscribe to our Patreon. Yes, at Where's the address again, Katie? Um, It's just patreon.com slash spookygals. All one word. There you go. Um, It would be very nice because... Even with today's sponsorship, I am still out of pocket for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> only yeah. by only by a dollar, luckily. But um, yeah. please, please help Katty keep writing these scary Aww. stories because it's great. You know what? Because I don't really have time anymore to like sit and really watch TV. I'm just so fucking tired every day <sighs> after work. So it's nice to just have someone just tell me these things yeah. in like a very nice, methodical way. So if you feel the same. Please help a girl out. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So, thank you so much for listening, and we hope to have you back for next week's episode. If you want to get in touch for any reason, 
just to say hello or to send us a story of your own true paranormal or spooky experience, please email us at spookygirlspodcast at gmail.com and also make sure to like and follow our Spooky Girls Facebook page as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also check us out on Twitter at SpookyGirlsPod and on Instagram at SpookyGirlsPodcast. If you want to support us further, then you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash spookygirls and from as little as $2 a month, you gain access to bonus episodes and other awesome content that we have planned for the future. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you all next time. Stay spooky. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Oh, that was a good one.